Welcome, welcome, welcome to F1 with DRS. I am DRS. I'm joined by Jethro in England, Charlie and Matt in the studio. And what a commute it was. Let's start with the morning commute, LA. We are live in Chopper 7. What happened? Oh, God, that was a nightmare. Well, let's just say for the record, you're always early. You're an early person. So I can only imagine how searing this experience was for you. So I'm not that offended when someone else is late. Mm -hmm. There's not much I hate more than myself being late. (laughs) Sure, sure. It makes me so stressed (laughs) and the anxiety is through the roof. Even if it's like two minutes. I like to be three minutes early. Okay, now as you've witnessed, I do okay with being late. (laughs) But (laughs) the reason I I feel like I can match your ire this morning is that I actually left so early. I was so proud of myself as I was walking out to the truck. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be like 25 minutes early. I'll shoot the shit with Matt. I'll hear about his trip. This is excellent. Then I hop on that 101. And like you, I'm like, what has happened? Eventually, I discover there is a brand new full-size GMC truck on its side, perfectly on its side, taking up three lanes of the 101. And this dude just hanging next to his truck on his phone, like, pretty chill. Yeah. He seemed... (laughs) Pretty nonplussed by the whole experience. Probably like a work truck that he was not no, no. responsible for. No, it was like the Denali Vert. It was like oh, a very uh, nice $68,000 truck sitting perfectly on site. Jethro. I feel like we need some independent verification that you left early. Point A. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, look, if I beat Charlie, you know I left very early. <laughs> I wasn't going to be early, but Erica left at like 6 a.m. to go to Washington, D.C., Okay. So I had the I had to work this morning, had the boys, and then come in here. So I was right on schedule, which would have put me here a little early. And I was like, oh, I nailed this morning. Piece of cake. And then just dead stopped. Yeah. And for me, it was a great reminder that expectations are resentments waiting to happen. Because my this fantasy I had of being early and how much fun it was going to be. And, and how ultimately, relaxed. you were just right on time, which is great. <laughs> I was like, you know, seven minutes early, uh-huh. just enough time to read some terrible comments on a post and <laughs> uh-huh. get in an even shittier mood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> well, I believe Matt's been there since sometime last night. I mean. Yeah, I got here last night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, It was interesting because Charlie said three minutes early is the goal. I'm like, I'm 20 minutes early always, or I'm having anxiety if I'm close to 15. Yeah. Okay. So Jethro, what's your general MO? I like the idea of being early, but the reality is I'm, I'm, I never quite get there. I'm normally about between three and seven minutes late, but I've got, you know, children to blame and stuff like that. But yeah, it doesn't stress me out hugely because the people I work with generally have this habit of everything extends a little bit anyway. So I I think we're all in a nice rhythm together. This would be another great opportunity for us to explore the cultural differences. What's the overall attitude um, between coworkers when someone is late? Because if I had to say in the U.S., it's like eight out of ten, you're pissed. It's it's not cool, Mm -hmm. right? Is that accurate or am I over? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, everyone always says it's like, oh, you're valuing your time over mine. Everyone and takes like, it very personal. <laughs> sure, but no. And in fact, I don't mind when someone's a couple minutes late because if I'm there, then it's like I'm almost now early. Like, I yeah, get and you have it over like, them. You always yeah. love having something over somebody. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so what, what's the general vibe there? I'm not sure if it's cultural or generational because like for my dad, for example, if he was ever late for anything, he would probably, you know, fall on his own sword and die. Um, Shame. Yeah, just like he couldn't do it. But he can't also be early because that's rude. Because if you're British, you're always worried about being rude in Mm. some way, you know. (laughs) Plus you're British, so you're like, do I really want to go and see this person or have this meeting anyway? Because you'd rather avoid any sort of interaction if possible. It could get a little intimate on accident. Yeah, yeah. So my dad, even if he was early, even to my house, where he can obviously just let himself in and that would be fine, would wait outside and then knock on the door at the stroke of whatever time he was due to arrive. So I think definitely that generation lateness is is not 
tolerated. But I think it's changed a little bit. I'm lucky I've never had one of those office type jobs. Can you imagine? Where someone's appointed job is to monitor what time people arrive. Like there's someone there specifically for that reason. And the notion that you could get anywhere right on time is just completely ridiculous. In a very complicated yeah. world, especially yeah. you factor in the 101 and Like Los if you Angeles. can't be early, but you can't be late. <laughs> for you, just, well, too stressful. No, no wonder way. you don't do anything. It's like, fuck it. There's no way I'll be able to nail that. What about on the film set? Because my only experience is Top Gear where we would be asked to be there at 7.30 a.m. and then we'd start filming at 3 p.m. or something. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say is I've been a little tainted by show business, which is they've never <laughs> once been ready when they said I should be there to be ready. So, yeah, slowly you start kind of trying to add 10, 15 minutes here and there. I got a question for you guys because I had this debate when I was in Dubai on the preset alarms. I have anxiety about being late. So my preset alarms on my iPhone, I have about 150 preset alarms. Oh, same. You were the same. I have this with Laura. She freaks out because she will only set the alarm she needs for the next That's step. That's mine, yeah, Laura. I have hundreds for everything from about 4.47 a.m. up to yes. and including 6.05 p.m. This morning <laughs> I set two alarms before I have to wake up and I usually wake up at the first one. Then I have an alarm set for when I need to start typing out the jot notes from this episode into actual words. Then I have an alarm that when I need to shower and get ready. I have an alarm that I need to start getting ready (laughs) to get into the car. Then one that I need to get into the garage to get my car at a certain point. But then there's the person that has that. They think we're crazy. I think they're crazy. I don't have multiple for my entire day. I just just know that whatever time I have to get up, there will be an alarm in my phone already that I can click on. No, well, I'm that. really glad you detailed it for us, Matt, because I if Laura's going to buy a handgun, because if <laughs> I lived with someone where every 90 seconds an alarm is going, oh, time to rest my teeth. Oh, time to have some toast. Oh, time to, do, to put my shoes on. That's, I think you're, I don't know, on the spectrum. I thought I was a seven, but now that I know how you're doing it, I think I'm only a four. I will say, though, having all these in my phone, it often takes me so much longer to scroll through to find 4.58. I've got like a 5 p.m. Zoom. I got to put four. At some point, I'm like, I just, it would be so much quicker to type in a new one, even though it'd yep, be a true. repeat. Back to the cultural thing. I do want to bring up having worked in Italy to film a movie in Italy. So when I ask you culturally, what's it like to be late? Uh, I, okay, it sounds like England's not too far off from the mm-hmm. U.S. And let me preface this by saying Italy's one of my favorite places in the world. What a spectacular country. All the cities are radical. It's so worth whatever expense it takes to get yourself there once in a lifetime. It's heaven. Now, working there, not only were people arriving an hour past call time on the movie set, you know, sometimes like full departments don't show up for an hour or two after the call time, which that was already quite confusing. But the real knockout punches, you'd be shooting, you're in this great little piazza in Rome, it's hard to get this location, it's a night shoot, everyone knew it was a night shoot, and they're setting up the next shot and this is going on for a while. And then the AD asks, okay, turn on the lights. What's that come again? Oh, electric wrapped themselves. Okay, but no one, we didn't wrap anyone. Oh, they're gone. They're completely gone. They've left. Okay, so <laughs> they're gone for the night. Okay, and they didn't tell anyone. Well, let's load up all the actors and get them back to the hotel again. Oh, Transpo has, Transpo wrapped. Okay, Transpo can't rap. Let me just say, in the film business, transportation can't rap. They're the people who bring everyone to set and then take everyone home from set. They cannot rap themselves. And by God, those glorious Italians, they They had it. They were done. They would just, the Transpo would be like, I'm out of here. That's enough for me today. They had it. That was it. <laughs> Incredible. They put in their day's work and that's it. They, as they determined in their <laughs> yes, mind was a yeah, full day's yeah. work and then they were out. Did you get to enjoy the road network while you were there and, and get involved? Because you'd find an entire nation of people who drive exactly like you. <laughs> yes, it's a really fun place. So I was riding mostly through there. I did like two weeks on a Ducati with my buddy Kenny and what a party. So I went to Sicily and in the UK, the, the art of the overtake is dying because people are so outraged if you overtake them on like a a two-lane road. But in Sicily, I've never been anywhere like it. If you are caught napping for a second, you will have five cars overtake you. Like (laughs) the commute to work. And it won't be like 18-year-old guys who've just got their license in in some little souped-up fit. It'll be housewives, grandmas, <laughs> old pensioners, and you will be like four abreast into into corners on a two-lane road. Like no, no fear and no one gets annoyed. There's no road rage because it's completely expected. It's not considered rude. It's just every time you start your engine, you are in a race. 
amazing. <laughs> Most of Europe is still pretty good when it comes to speed. UK has become really locked down since COVID, actually, but there's still a nice attitude, especially in Italy. Italy is like all bets are off. And if you're in a Ferrari... In Italy, even more, all bets are off. You you just drive as fast as you can. It's great. They even programmed the roadside cameras to exclude it. Like AI can filter out a Ferrari <laughs> that's exceeding the speed limit. Okay, um, how was everyone's weekend? I had an incredible one. We had a good weekend. You had a good weekend. Your dad was in town. Mm-hmm. And the boys were with mm-hmm. Grandpa. A lot of handsome. I saw a photo. The Curtis Bloodline boy from the top down to the bottom. Everyone's <laughs> just a fucking 10. We hiked the observatory. Oh. Um, oh, here's a good question. So your dad is infamously a runner. Yep. We know this about him. Mm-hmm. You had the boys. Were you carrying anyone? Did you get to have no. a showdown with your old man? And <laughs> no. <laughs> but we only had Wilder. And uh, so I did think for a minute. It was hot this weekend. Mm-hmm. I did think for a minute I was going to have to carry him. But he kept on going. We made it all the way to the top. Um, it was packed. So we had a park at the bottom, too. So it was a long hike. But it's surprising it, you just start at my house. I should have. Yeah. I thought I could get closer. <laughs> uh, and then by the time I... Parked, I think I should have just. By the time you were walking past my house yes. on foot, uh-huh. you were like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I guess closer. this would have been a little closer. <laughs> Matt, do you have a night? You're home. Well, yeah, that I got home nice. Wednesday night and then I had the day kind of off and then I flew out again Friday morning to Chicago and it was my sister in law's 30th. So we Wonderful. went out to like a nice restaurant and went to this cocktail bar with like one of those places that like it's a Michelin star cocktail bar. So mm-hmm. it was. Cool. There was some really. Did you have a fancy drink you had never tried? Oh yeah, there was one that came in like a leather chest, and oh. you open it up, and it's all smoking out, and it was like a cigar infused, bourbon. Co- like bourbon cocktail. It was actually incredible. Back when I was in a, a practicing alcoholic, mm-hmm. that would have drove me nuts. I hated people who like wine. I'm like, just fucking. We're all trying to get drunk. What? What is all this pageantry? Uh-huh. Like, get the Jack Daniels and the Budweiser and let's do this. <laughs> let's get some tequila shots and some Coronas. What are you talking about? What year that fucking wine yeah. was made? Like, what on earth does that have to do with getting shit faced? Well, that's the Michigan in you. And that's, that's when I grew up, that was the same thing. It was like beers beer. That's yeah. it. Yeah. It's funny because no one applied that to cigarettes. No one was like, oh, I got this pack of cigarettes. $1,100. Uh, they were made by uh, King James. Mm-hmm. You know, you fucking yeah. need to bang a dart because you're, you're low on nicotine. What are we yep. doing? Yep. Yeah. But maybe as I've aged, if I return to drinking, I would appreciate the, the pageantry. It was nice. Okay, so my two major events this weekend. One was our friends Eric and Molly had bought a ton of tickets to Eras, the movie version of the Taylor Swift concert. Really quick, I want to check in with you, Jethro. Has the Taylor Swift phenomena taken over the UK and even some percentage of the way it has the US? Yes, but I don't know how crazy it is in the US. Is it as crazy as the US is over Ed Sheeran? Tenfold. I've never witnessed. Not since Michael Jackson have I witnessed a phenomenon like this. Like, she's at SoFi Stadium. She sells out 10 shows in 13 seconds. If she had added 60 shows, those would have sold out. Um, It's just the most Mm -hmm. epic. Every little girl in the world is having, like, the quintessential childhood moment. Well, it shifted our economy. Yeah. Yeah, it was like having the Olympics. And yeah. Now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People were flying. Even moving around L.A., I was bumping into people from all over the country that were all in town for Taylor Swift. Yeah, like she's huge, but I don't think she would shift the dial on our economy, which is a shame because our economy is tanking. So maybe we should uh, <laughs> you need more Taylor? Yeah. <laughs> all of the people here. Who else could we get over to maybe help? There is a funny meme going around that had a picture of Taylor and Barbie in one frame, and it said these two blonde women are holding the entire economy on their shoulders, which was <laughs> definitely the case this summer but she's about to go to europe right i think she hasn't played london yet maybe you'll experience it's gonna happen she is huge without a doubt but i i guess i don't feel it in my everyday life as much as maybe it is out there okay so look i'm aware of the music i've liked many of the songs i'm not like super in or any i'm you know i'm as ambivalent as you could probably be about it other than i like her music so someone has to take lincoln and lincoln's already been to the concert with mom so then i say well let I'll take her to the movies. It's like, you know, on the other side of town, it's like an hour to get there. I have low expectations. I'm going to watch a concert in a movie theater. And about three and a half minutes in, I'm looking at my little girl who is singing at the top of her lungs with this smile on her face and like rainbows shooting out of her heart. 
And I'm, I'm getting pretty welled up at this moment. So I'm already pretty fucked up three minutes in. <laughs> and then it builds and builds to every kid in this movie theater left their seat, went down in front of the screen, and they danced their hearts out. Now I'm just sobbing. I'm watching. I'm also laughing nervously because I'm sobbing at a mo- uh-huh. in a movie theater. It's like making me laugh at myself. And, and, and also um, I'm afraid to commit to the cry. So I'm like, huh? <laughs> I'm like, I have this psychotic laugh going and just tears streaming down my face uh, at what this woman means to all these girls. It's like the most special thing ever. And... She fucking got me. There's a song on the newer album. It's kind of more of a dancey one. In fact, yeah. when it came on, I leaned forward to Molly and I said, uh-oh, Taylor's all grown up on this mm-hmm. one. I got myself down there as one of very few parents, and I danced my heart out for like three songs. <laughs> I, was, it, I was high as a kite. It uh-huh. was like contagious. <laughs> it was spiritual. It was life-affirming. Oh, wow. And I was like, and that was the movie version. I can't even imagine what it would have been like yep. to be in that theater. It totally, no, back to Peter Atia. He's becoming a regular guest on this show. So Peter Atia is a no shit. He's a world record swimmer. He's a boxer. He's a fucking surgeon. And he's at a Pearl Jam concert. And he says, I've seen Pearl Jam probably 50 times. They're my favorite band. I'm currently at the concert. And I have to admit, Having seen Taylor has ruined the entire experience, wow. which she has done in a concert, cannot be matched. She has made the bar so high that everything now pales in comparison. When she was here, I mean, there were people, obviously, I knew that went with their kids or were fans that would love it. Yes. There were also several husbands or boyfriends or people that went because there was a ticket. And they also said it was incredible. Like, not one person was like, oh, it was good, just not for me. You can't be ambivalent Everyone said it was absolutely (laughs) incredible and the best experience, and they wish they could go again, and on and on and on. This was, like, one of the best moments of my life, followed by the deepest regret of my life that I did not go to that concert when it was live at SoFi. When there were six days. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) So that was, like, you know, Lincoln and I had the most incredible bonding experience. And then... I won't even say to right size the level of femininity that experience was. But then yesterday, we went back after her fort that we have been building for a long time. This is the first building experience I've had with her. The other ones have been very safe and very well monitored. And yesterday was the kind of building experience I had in my childhood (laughs) back in Michigan (laughs) with either my older brother or occasionally my father. So there is one point I have her on the ladder. Now the ladder's going down to the ground and then coming up over this embankment, leaning on the side of the fort and she's on it and I'm going to have her hold it. And I'm like looking at this and I'm like, oh God, this is not ideal. OSHA's (laughs) not happy with this situation. And then she throws out, maybe it'd be easier if I was on the roof and I was holding Mm -hmm. from above. I'm like, yes, great idea. Let's get you on the roof. So now we got the 10-year-old on the roof. She's slung over the side to hold the super heavy board. It all went down perfectly. Thing is level. Is If you put a fucking marble on top of this thing, it's it wouldn't moving. roll anywhere. Yep. <laughs> but I will say there is something really great about, like, it got a little hairy. We were both out on the edge, but we were committed to the build, mm-hmm. and it was wild. It looks legit. <laughs> yes, it looks like I brought someone in to build it. If you told me that it was part of your backyard build, I wouldn't question you <laughs> oh, for a second. So flattering, so flattering. And we also saw Chelsea Handler on Friday. Oh, my God, yes. We saw Chelsea Handler on Friday, which was incredibly funny. So funny. But I get so anxious in those. In stand-up. Yep, like, and I was trying to rationalize my way out of it while I was sitting there. Like, they're not thinking anything of it. They, they do this for a living. They're so good at it. Yeah. This isn't like they're trying out something new. Like, this works. It's not open mic night. No. And I still just kept, like, I couldn't Fully help. relax. Yeah. <laughs> and then Sarah Is it because Silver, you have an upcoming stage show on the horizon? That's right. I'm opening for her next week. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we're going to do some live stuff in Vegas, which, oh, my gosh, I'm so oh, glad I just yeah. thought of this to bring up. Oh, wow. Yeah. What a link. Well, and Sarah Silverman was there, last little thing, and her whole bit was, it was new. And I don't, it might not have been, but her whole thing was like, let me check my notes and trying out some new stuff. So that just, I couldn't. Couldn't relax. I couldn't relax. (laughs) It makes me so, but she, they were all incredible, all three of them. But are you anxious for them or are you anxious they're going to pick you out of the crowd? No, for them. And create a joke around you? No, because we were far enough away. It's more them, like just, I don't know. 
Yeah. yeah they, you, well, it's mirror neurons. You're like, oh my God, if they start eating shit, there are thousands of people yeah. in here. That's got to be the most uncomfortable mm-hmm. thing. So I did stand up for about three years. And there's a scene in Hit and Run where Kristen and I are in my uh, class one off-road race car. And in real life, we're in a barn. And in real life, we are going to drive through the barn and we are going to smash through a real barn door. It's been scored, but it's a real barn door. Once we go through the barn door, we're going to be at high noon sunlight. And then I have to hit two ramps that are both about 12 inches wide. And these ramps are going to take us off a jump and we're going to jump two cars with people running out from under us. (laughs) And the stunt coordinator, DeCastro, he comes up to me. I'm sitting in the car. And he said, how are you doing? I said, good. And he said, you must be a little nervous. It's going to be very bright when you get out. You got to hit those little ramps and your eyes are going to be adjusting. You can admit if you're a little tensed up. And I said, in all sincerity, Steve, if doing stand-up is a 10, like right before you walk on stage, that's a 10. Sitting here in this car knowing what we have to do is a 5 or a 6. And that sincerely is the the math. It's that, I mean, it is the most heightened, terrifying thing you can do. What made you want to do that? I, I, I can't imagine the notion of like, I'm going to go on stage and make people laugh. You know, I never wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. Or let me back up. I was very good at making my classroom laugh and getting thrown out of class. That was my only skill I seemed to have when I graduated high school. So I was like, I guess stand up makes sense. I should try stand-up, but I was too afraid in Michigan. I just couldn't do it. I knew of all the open mics. I knew where they were at, and I couldn't do it. And I honestly thought, I'm going to fucking move all the way to California, and I will have to do it there. That's why I moved to California. Mm -hmm. It's like, if I'm going to change my entire life, I have to. And I got to LA, started thinking about doing it again. I was like, no, still can't do it here. And decided to audition for The Groundlings, which was sketch comedy and improv. And you're on stage with other people, so you can kind of share the the weight of that mm-hmm. failure. And then I just went into that, which led to acting and all this. And then I had a reasonably good career. And as a New Year's resolution in probably 2011, I wrote, you're still a fucking coward. You have to do stand-up before you die. This was my New Year's resolution. And then I started doing it, and I did it for, like, three years, and I really, really liked it. And um, I got to do tons of shows with Sarah Silverman and Tig and all these people that, you know, are great comedians. And then at some point, we had kids, and it just was too much time commitment. Above all the things I've tried to do, that's by far the one that scared me the most. We're doing a live show. That This one I want to talk about. And Rob, I need your participation. Are you watching a movie right now? (laughs) Okay, he's got his headphones on. He's staring at his computer. Do we have an email that I can say? Because what we would like to do for all F1 listeners, we are going to be in Las Vegas for the Formula One race. And we're going to be doing a live show the four of us, for the Sports Illustrated Club SI. Club SI, on Thursday night, we're going to do a live show with all the folks in the audience. And it occurred to us how cool it would be if we could get some listeners of this show some free tickets to that, and we could interview them for a minute or two during our live show. Mm. So what we would love to do is have people submit. We want to hear... Crazy Vegas stories. Is that Mm. what we concluded? Crazy Vegas story, but you have to be involved. It can't be, oh, my brother-in-law told me this one time that his cousin went to Vegas and... Great caveat. It can't be the synopsis of The Hangover. Uh, We don't need to hear about a time Elvis shit himself in an elevator. No, no. You've got to be involved. You've got to be involved and And, something went awry. So, if you're going to be in Vegas... Now, what kind of tickets are we giving them? For the the whole kit and caboodle or just for that Thursday? So, we're getting them tickets to Club SI for the weekend. Damn it! Wow. you got to get to Vegas. you got to stay in Vegas. That's on you. And we're Thursday. We've got Shaq and David Beckham. (laughs) Shaq and David Beckham are also a part of the SI club. So if you want tickets for this whole extravaganza, uh, email hello at f1.com. Hello at f1.com. E-F-F-W-N dot com and submit to us a good Vegas story and we will uh, we will select from there and we will have you out you'll have free everything and then well not free travel or let's be clear and then we'll chat with you live yeah we'll, we'll get you up there and we'll get to hear the story uh, kind of like Armchair Anonymous so 
Hopefully people submit to that and we'll get to meet some F1Es. Stay tuned for more F1 with DRS. Okay, but alas, it's not Vegas. It is Austin, which the three of us are going to. Mm -hmm. I cannot wait at all I'm thinking about. I am so excited to go to that race. I'm so stupid in that, again, I didn't know it was a sprint weekend. Yes. It's so exciting. Oh, it is. I don't think we've ever been to a sprint race weekend. I have not. I have not. Mm -mm. The last time we went, you know, well, most of the races we go to, we want to go to the race, but we we end up finding really fun stuff to do. And we're always like, should we go to practice one? Let's just go to practice two. But the plan is always, before we get there, we're going to practice one. Even Miami, we land, we're going to go straight from the airport to practice. Go out of our way to do every single racetrack event. Yeah. And, and then the, other fun things happen. Then there's then we go, do we really need to see practice? I'll watch it in bed tonight. It really yeah. ends up just being quality yeah. and the race. But yep. uh, with this sprint week weekend, we're going to have Everything's we're going to be there Friday, Saturday, Sunday because yeah. we get the quality on Friday, and then into the sprint on Saturday, and then race day. We'll yeah. see if they took our advice and changed the name of the sprint shootout. We'll see in the, if it changes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, if anywhere sprint shootout in Austin sounds a little better. Like, it fits. It does. With this, this cowboy yeah. theme. It know. should be called sprint six shooter. <laughs> yeah. Shootout, six shooters. and it's huge. Is it? Did you go last year? Because isn't it? Wasn't it like the biggest F one attendance ever over the course of a weekend last year or something? Like four hundred and twenty thousand people, I think. That would make sense because we went the year before. Two, that was a record, and that, that was three ninety. Three ninety. Yep. Which let's remind everyone: three years before, it was one twenty five. Yeah. Like, it 3 axed. It almost doesn't make sense, because how many people are you saying watch F1, according to the figures? It's like 900,000 in the U.S. Is that half of them are going to Austin, which is crazy. You've got to wonder. And I'm coming to terms with that. There's people listening to this show who don't watch every race. There's people that probably go to races and don't watch every race. You know, so I think, similarly, you might find me at a football game. I don't watch... Sunday football, really. It's very That's rare true. that I watch it, but I'll certainly go to a game. Yeah. And you'll, you're good, you go to a Dodger game every year. A couple. Yeah. yeah. And I've never sat down and watched a baseball game on television. Mm-hmm. So no. who knows? And I think like uh, significant others get drugged to these things, right? So you probably cut it in half right away. And it's such a big show now, isn't it? It's about more than just the race. I guess it's the whole event. And Austin's a great city. Like it's a cool thing to yeah. do. And they're adding all this programming too to yeah. get the other people. You got one person in your family into Formula One. They're going to program for the other five people to sell those tickets and bring some concerts, some speakers, all this other yeah. stuff. So I think they're making it a big weekend event. And it's kind of turned into Danny Ricardo's home race. Like, I think it's That's more right. his home race than <laughs> Australia. You're absolutely right. I'm sure we all saw the picture of him getting into the Red Bull. The RB7, yeah. Yeah, with, with his cowboy the, hat with on. With a cowboy hat on. Yeah. Oversized. It almost looked like one of those comical styrofoam ones. It was yeah. so yep. enormous. It did, almost didn't fit in the halo. And then there was him and Max in, like, a boot shop. And their racing suits were painted like they had belt buckles. They oh, were, they really? Were, they were Western-themed, uh, but they were race suits. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, they need that for the race. Yeah. yeah. D- Ricardo totally pulls it all off. How is Max looking in cowboy attire? <laughs> seems really He like was mismatch. actually doing all right. Oh, he was. Com- considering he was with Danny and they were goofing around, but I think Danny carried the load on that one. But he was doing all right. I think Danny brings out the fun in him, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, like, he, he, He's... He, he, I think anyone Danny's been teammates to has massively benefited from him being around for all that PR stuff because they, they just relax because he throws himself so into it. Yeah. I'm hoping this is how we feel, Dax, when yeah. we're on stage at this uh, <laughs> yeah. sports illustration. We'll be like, Dax is going to take the load so we can just chill a little bit yeah. and we can, we can be fine. Counterpunch. You counter are punch. Danny Ricardo. You guys are counterpunchers. It's funny looking at Red Bull's Instagram though right now because it's like Checo who? Like the last mm. 15 posts are just Danny and in Max. The Red so it's Bull. like, yep. It's like he's really, yes, he's driving over Red Bull, but he's in an AlphaTauri. Team they're trying to sell, basically, aren't they? Yeah, they're just like, trying to sell everything. I saw a couple posts too this week where it was like, it's insane that he's not even in the conversation to replace Checo. Like at this point, it's very, it feels very weird. It's not even really tough. Well, there has been in the last day. Oh. Um, I think it was Christian Horner in an interview said, if. Checo loses and doesn't get second in the driver's championship this year. Danny will be replacing him next year. Oh, that was wow. He came out and said that straight out. Well, while we're on that same topic, this meeting could be happening as this is happening, or by the time this comes out, it could be news. Apparently, Red Bull 
the company itself is having a meeting right now, a boardroom today, tomorrow, the next day, to oust Marco. Christian Horner and him haven't been getting along for a while, and Christian's wanted Marco out. He wants to be the be-all and end-all at Red Bull. As he should be. And obviously with what's happened, it's probably now an easy ass to make that happen. So by the time Austin happens... We're probably going to hear that Marco is no longer. They they missed a great opportunity because Mexico City is just in two seconds. They should have delayed all this and invited him down to Mexico City and then let him <laughs> yeah. go in publicly fired him and then him to the lions. And then and on the way out said, "P.S. You're not in South America." Yeah. <laughs> or they just sent him on a flight to South America, saying it was Mexico. That's a great idea. Just, yeah. <laughs> the meeting's in Mexico City, but his flight was to South America. He's just in Venezuela, being like, "What the race is in here?" There are all these rumors, too, that Checo is going to retire. In Mexico. In Mexico. Oh. That I think are not really. Well, then he came out and said, no, I want to race for four, three or four yeah. more years. And next year is a big year for me because he's probably even not going to be with Red Bull unless he does something. But he's got to prove that he can be in another car. The other thing I read that's kind of a bummer about Helmet leaving is that uh, Christian doesn't love Yuki, I read. Yeah. And he oh, was going to. He's, he's the only, only person in he's the only, the only person. And Helmet's the reason he's there. Oh. <laughs> Ah. And so if he did step down and Christian took over, that chances are Yuki might be gone. Oh, they'll go to Austin Martin but, and take over Strolls. Well, well, Helmet was also the one campaigning for DeVries, as Horner said. Or no, even Marco admitted that Horner yes. had been right about DeVries. Yep. So ah. they had already had that dust up. Yep. I, you know, I feel truly heartbroken for Checo because it's yeah. not like he's not a great driver. Exactly. If you, it's so to me appears to be like a case of the mentals, like yeah. you are a tennis player. He's going through because something. If you look at earlier in the season, he was quite dependable and even won a couple races. Yep. So I just, I don't, I never like seeing someone take that mental spiral. If they're, if their their skills were waning, you'd be like, yeah, okay, time to, you know, hanging up. But just to know he's like one great psychiatrist away from being good again is, is a heartbreaker. Yeah. It seems like he'd be great at kind of what Alonso did this year, going into a decent team, being the older driver with a young driver and mm. kind of getting all the resources you need and performing well for that team, but not being expected to win every race. Yeah. Or Well, maybe know. when they shuffle Lando over to Red Bull, he can go drive <laughs> with uh, Piastri. <laughs> I don't know. I just... He's just getting beaten down, isn't he? It must be such a horrible situation to be in. But I, I don't see him recovering from this. I can see he's going to either go to a much smaller team or disappear off the grid. I mean, I've not been watching this sport for all that long and it already seems like an unavoidable pattern because if you think of Botas's demeanor while he was under Lewis, it wasn't much better. It's no. like the scrutiny's so high, yet there's no victories and why, why could you out-qualify Verstappen, but you can never finish in front of him? Like, it just, it, it seemed like it was quite a daunting experience for the number two there as well. I think the pattern is always the same. They come in at the start of the season, they've had a, a winter to recharge their batteries. They're like, I'm doing things differently. I've, I've got a new guy working with me. And they do well for like six weeks, eight weeks, <laughs> maybe three months. And then you can't change what the stopwatch says. And yeah. if it says Verstappen's kicking your ass every weekend, and it's just a drip, drip, drip of constantly every session getting beaten, even if it's a tenth of a second, it just, it takes the life out of him. And it happened with Bottas as well. So for that reason, it seemed, it's a weird thing to wish for for Danny, from my perspective, as someone who like loves him. Um, I almost would rather see him stay at Alpha, Hugo Boss, whatever it's going to be called next year. And hopefully a car that's much more competitive. I'd way rather see him beat his teammate at Alpha and finishing third and fourth all the time. That seems like a more joyous experience yeah. than him being yeah. in that second. Well, and he's at yeah. the tail end of his career, too. Like, he was already at the top. Yeah. So now he can have a good kind of end of his career and, yeah. and be graceful going out. I feel like he's still got some unfinished business in a real top car. Because he was... I was almost certain he would be a world champion one day. In those early years, he was so, so good. And I think he feels there's unfinished business because McLaren took all the life out of him as well. And we've seen that that was pretty horrible to watch. But I'd love to see him in the Red Bull just for one season to see that he could hit the heights again. Yeah, that would be cool. And you'd also get to see him battling all the third place contenders yeah. at that point. He'd be battling Hamilton every week. He'd be playing, you know, battling Charles every week. Yeah. Lando. Those would be, I mean, 
let's get real. The battle of all battles would be he and Lando all the time. Yeah. That would be, f- oh, mm-hmm. you know, so, so juicy. We got some pulp, man? Yeah, we got some good stuff. So I'm going to start off with some pulp that's kind of with us. I don't know if you guys noticed the new shirt that I have on right now. Anita Driver. Oh. The Paddock Hoet. I have each of you a shirt right now. Oh. Anita, Anita Driver hit up. There's a new Thick Rick book coming out. No. We, are, go- we are going to be the first, another free ones, weekend? the first ones to get it. So we will have some readings on it soon. But I found an incredible story. So I guess there were rumors going around that we had the fake Anita Driver on the show. So, no. And, oh, wow. First of all, wouldn't be shocked if that were the case. Okay, but, but so then ahead. this is what happened. And honestly, I'm falling more and more in love with Anita Driver, and I think this man Alex, is— what was that his name? Yeah, Alex. He yeah. is—it's gold. So this is the story, and I asked permission to talk about this story. So he was in the mountains with his buddies doing some You got permission active, from the fake? Yes. From the fake. He was doing some illicit activities. And he there was an Australian morning show that reached out to him and wanted to do an interview. It's going to be on the Monday. He kind of— was quite high, I guess, all sure, weekend, and he would, didn't want to do the interview. And he reached out to voiceover actors, and he hired this woman with almost no information to go on this radio show, pretend <laughs> that she was a needed driver, but she obviously knows nothing. They were like, what inspired you? To, I can't do an Australian <laughs> That's accent. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. <laughs> what inspired you to do this book? And she's like, uh, Mario Andretti, and I was having coffees in Italy. <laughs> And they're, like, thinking she's the real thing. And then people were like, oh, I don't – she's a woman, so this Anita Driver makes sense. But this is incredible. Well, it's, they're paying the price for not listening to F1. Yeah. That's right. That's on them. Um, we got Bernie Eccleston pleaded guilty for fraud because he failed to declare 400 million euros that he had in a bank account in Singapore. 400 million. million. Just forgot. It must have gone beyond that because he's agreed to pay back 652 million <laughs> pounds yeah. in taxes. <laughs> To the uh, UK inland revenue. Can you imagine? That's like 750, 800 million bucks. I like London. (laughs) It's truly one of the great world cities. I would sell my privileges of being there for far less than 600 million. What are the consequences? Why doesn't he just fuck off out of there? Well, they gave him a suspended jail sentence. But that's a lot of money to owe someone, isn't it? I wonder if it, do you think he just writes a check? 653 bill. They reckon he's worth, what, two and a half billion, I think? Oh, he's that much. Yeah. So that's a big chunk. It's still a big chunk. Oh, Wabi's saying three billion. Yeah, almost three billion. Oh, well, okay, so less of a chunk, but still Okay, then I would stay. I take it back. Everything I just said was not worth I mean, it's going to last him out. He's 92, so even if he's down to his last bill. Here's my 750 million bucks. If I had 3 billion. Because at that point, I'm going to leave where I like. And go and when, somewhere else. When I'm already going to die he's, with two billion. He's ninety-two, Charlie. How long? How quickly yeah. does he have well, to go for one just, year? You take one for the team and die and pass on the seven hundred fifty million to your kids. Yeah, what's well, two point three billion dollars divided by eight more years? Uh, yeah. oh, God. <laughs> There's a lot of places uh, in the world. Three hundred million a year, he could fucking piss through. He had a new kid, didn't he? Like a year ago, two years ago, he had a new baby, I think. Through in vitro? Did they harvest the sperm from his testicles and and plant it? There's no way. I don't know. I mean, you know, those little blue pills, they must work even when you're 92, (laughs) it seems. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. They work. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. So I know you've talked about like explaining downforce of a car, Mm -hmm. how it can go upside down. Mm -hmm. So there is a guy, his name is Scott Manziel. And he was a driver and he has taken this to the next level. So him and a group of engineers and they have sponsors have now spent over a hundred thousand dollars on research and they will be doing this. So they're, they're building their own tunnel. That's going to take a formula car and it's going to go upside down. And for five seconds, it's going to drive upside down because they want to prove this theory. Think how cool an upside down Formula One track would be because if you have any mechanicals, you're going to just drop upside down (laughs) onto the roof of the car. That was the issue with the engine because when the engine's upside down, that's the main thing that the fluids start not going through in the pistons and blah, blah, Mm, blah. And so that's one of the big things. (laughs) So like maybe they have to, when they flip it over, the motor The motor's on a gyroscope. Exactly. And it does a 180 and then all all the drive Yeah. This is to prove something that science has already said is true. And by the way, you know what it seems like it'd be way easier is you have a platform. It's in a big washing machine tube. 
and you put 55 miles an hour of wind on it, and then you rotate the cylinder, and it should stay put. I don't yeah. know that anyone needs to drive it upside down, or You're the right. motor needs to be running. I mean, we no can one demo wants this. to watch that. Yeah. That's a great point. It's yeah. not that exciting. I, I mean, we would all watch. I'd it. watch You're it. Right. It'd, yeah. it'd be less than that. Um, on my last day in Dubai, I realized I messed up, and I could have done the coolest thing, but it saved me three thousand dollars. One of the guy found out I have an F1 podcast because we were recording, and he's like, "Oh, you you didn't go and." Drive an F1 car at the Autodrome? And I was like, sorry, what? <laughs> I, had a, I had a day off, so you can drive a 2000 Jaguar or the Arrows 2002 car. And it's $3,000. You get, they take you around in a pace car to learn the track. Mm-hmm. And then you pop in, and there is a pace car following you. So I don't know the. But you can go top speed, but you can't pass anyone. And you get 20 minutes of laps, and it's about a minute 30 lap at the Dubai Autodrome. And you can also do an F3 car. For about eight hundred dollars, I am in. So like, I would love. To I do that. I was telling everyone, everyone's like, you got to go to the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, and I was like, for us, we've talked about that. Like to me, next year, the one race I would love to go to is the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Then we rip over to Dubai. How do they ensure that uh, you don't pass anyone? Catch that, me if you can, motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they better have. No, are they going to pull me the, over while I'm in a race car? The race car better be the <laughs> RB19. Yeah, yeah. who knows? <laughs> <laughs> With flashers. It's funny you say that because I saw. A post, maybe like the 2006 Mercedes. Mm-hmm. One of those race cars is for sale right now. I want to say it said it was going to go for 10 to $15 million. And I thought, okay, I could see you convincing yourself like $15 million is a lot, but there's, there was only two. It's going to But then I was thinking about what does it take to go do a track date in the Formula One car? There's got to be like, there has to be nine or so people required for you to go out on the track. What what do you think, Jethro? Yeah. So Ferrari do this program. They, they, they sell old F1 cars. It's called Corsa Cliente. So if you're rich enough, you can buy an old F1 car. People have got Schumacher's X cars, etc. You can take the car away if you really want to, but mostly they look after the car. They have a whole, department who are dedicated to do this and then they run a series of events over the course of a year where you turn up you have a full team of uh, oh, mechanics and they just bring it the for car. you ready to go and all of that you they just bring show it up. and not only that they bring normally xf1 drivers uh luca padoa and a few others who have raced for ferrari and they instruct you so they set no. a time they often set a benchmark lap time and then they instruct you give you all the telemetry so it's like the full Full experience. And there'll be, there could be 15, 20 F1 cars all lined up. Ferraris, oh. I've been to that. They, they do something called the World Finals. I went to one at, I think it must have been Imola. And there's just lines of these Formula One cars. Oh, whoa. But yeah, the cost to run, it's a bit like a super yacht. You know, buying it is mm. probably a fraction of what the it costs to run. Part, yeah. yeah, I got to get some figures on this. Because I got to <laughs> know, like, do I need to make a billion dollars to have this? Like, what we got? I got to figure out what it costs to enter this just program. Just pay your taxes. And could we get some sponsorship is there any way i could peddle oh some God. refrigerators yeah. or microwaves <laughs> in order to pay for this preposterous hobby maybe there's a millionaire that wants to like offer you the seat that you could do it on one of those things unlikely but yes, yes. if you're out there mm-hmm. and you are you yeah. want me to come drive your race car i'm i'm your uncle yeah there's also a th- you guys know thermal don't you there's a racetrack yeah. palm springs way yeah mm-hmm. there's a british company called tdf Tour de Force Engineering, they have developed their own car, which is based on an old Arrows type F1 car, I believe, but with a modern turbocharged style V6 F1 engine, but dumbed down, it hasn't got all the hybrid, etc, etc. But you can buy those, and I believe there are some at Thermal. They've got like half a dozen maybe at Thermal, or maybe they've just got a couple, but we should look into that, because it might be we could go and do an experience there, and get an idea of the downforce, and and just the physicality of driving those cars. Yes. Okay. After we race lemons. Okay. Yeah. We yeah lemons for sure. So a couple of things today is Charles Leclerc's birthday. Oh, so that's happy really birthday. nice, oh, Charles. Charles. Uh, we have also the Keanu Reeves documentary that's coming out about Braun. Their one season. It's actually now coming out in November. I'm so, so sorry. What is Braun? Braun GP was a Formula One team. They only existed for one year. Basically, Honda pulled out of F1. It looked like the factory was going to close. But Ross Braun, who is the guy who's the lead engineer when Schumacher went through all his dominance, managed to cobble together enough money to to keep this Honda. The Honda had been basically a disaster when it had been in there, but he knew this new car 
was good. There was a rule change coming and they had found uh, a double diffuser, which effectively gave them a huge advantage in terms of downforce. So he put together uh, a conglomerate of people. They bought the team for like no money, but they had to obviously find the money to run it. They got Mercedes engines, so they had to re-engineer it slightly. But anyway, they, Jensen Button won the world title in this car. Oh, that's they turned up to, where he won? They, yeah. yeah, yeah. They turned up to testing and they basically would after one lap they were telling him to slow down because the car was so quick and so good it had wow. like I said, it had this double diffuser which got around some rules gave them a huge downforce advantage uh and they existed for one season um but they came in won the world championship jensen button won the world championship driver's title and then they sold out and became mercedes so wow. it's a it's a fantastic story yeah Oh, so, and then Keanu is making the doc. I heard rumors a while ago it was being made, mm -hmm. but then, you know, now it just came out that it's coming in November. I thought it was going to be one of those things like two years away. Yeah. But it's going to be, that's going to be a nice little movie night for all of us. It's going to mm -hmm. be great. Also, Keanu, if you're in Vegas and you want to come to our live show and tell us a story mm. of making the doc, we can give you free tickets just till Thursday, though. Yeah. I'm not even offering him the full yeah. package. Okay. It, unless yeah. you bring I'm us okay. all a motorcycle and we all get to if rip you bring around us an motorcycle, motorcycle then you get the whole weekend. You can get Friday. Yeah, okay. Friday. And we'll Friday. get Shaq to carry you yeah. in on his shoulders yeah. for the <laughs> ultimate end. And if you gift them to us, you get Saturday too. This is beyond a name drop, but I do you know I have been lifted by Shaq. And it was oh, one you of have? the Yes, it was one of the most surreal experiences. I had met, met him maybe once or twice. He lived directly across the street from Tom Arnold, and he's so friendly. I, uh, but at this point, I'd maybe met him twice. We're walking in Westwood to a premiere, and I'm with Kristen, and we get behind him. And, you know, he's just so enormous. And I go, uh, excuse me, why don't you get off the sidewalk so I can get through? I mean, it's like such a joke because I'm so tiny. <laughs> he turns around. He sees it's me. And he picks me up from under my armpits like a baby. The way you would reach down and pick a baby up. He lifted me straight up in the air. And I was like, oh, my God, how strong are his deltoids? Like, oh that's a huge vertical. And, yeah, it felt wonderful to be that tiny. Yeah, and those I'm going to ask hands. him to pick me up. Little <laughs> you safe. should. Um, yeah. I want to see Charlie bench press him on stage at Sports <laughs> Illustrated, to be honest. Uh, that might be right around your max. What is he? He's, He's got to be 350, 350 right? Yeah. yeah. I can't do it. I can't do it. Maybe I could deadlift him if I can get him to lay perfectly <laughs> between his legs. Uh, I can use his penis as a handle. It's 320, 325. 325? Oh, okay. So three doable. Yeah, yeah, I think 370. Yeah, I think 350. <laughs> okay, um, sorry. We got Danny got an official, he's now an officially a Kentucky colonel. Oh, beautiful. He was there and they gave him a certificate. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it means nothing. He can sell fried chicken anywhere in the country. But I feel like he gets to get away with maybe some things. Maybe like it's like being an ambassador, but of Tur of Kentucky. Yeah. So we'll see. We got also Botas. He won his gravel race in his age category and got second overall. He was with his girlfriend out in Kansas doing a gravel race. So this he's is killing biking. it. Yeah, but it's like kind of like a road bike, but on gravel. So it's like hybrid kind of tires. Mm -hmm. But he's killing it Trail in this riding. game. He's yeah. really doing really well. And then, it's really just quickly, you know, when you're shooting a movie, they forbid specifically, like you yes, can't do sanctioned racing. You can't do this. And it's like the stakes are much lower for a movie. I could act with a broken arm. I've done it. Um, fuck on Top Gear, right? And my whole shoulder was blown to bits and we're in a rally car race. Show can go on. The fact that he's actively racing and sanctioned racing on mountain in gravel. bikes is, is It almost seems wild. more dangerous than an F1 car, weirdly. Oh, like, big time. Yeah. And it's happened once. Stroll crashed on his bike yeah. and broke bones. It's yeah. already happened. For leisure. Mm -hmm. Not even in the oh, It's happened before as well. I'm sure Montoya back in the day for Williams was doing some sort of bike race, broken arm, and then said it was a tennis accident. <laughs> and then Kimi Raikkonen, who famously, like, finished driver, world champion, didn't give a shit about anything. He's brilliant. I wish he was still in. But um, he used to, like, he did a skidoo race, you know, like... Snowmobiles. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, snowmobile race, because yeah. he just loves all that stuff. And he entered as James Hunt, Oh, and that was the name he gave himself. And he wore like a bear outfit, like a, oh like a big God. fluffy bear outfit. So no one knew he was. And uh, yeah, he used to do that sort of stuff all the time. What a legend. Bear outfit with the name James Hunt. James Hunt. Hunt. <laughs> yeah. He was the coolest. He was the coolest dude. And then it's slightly cooler if he, went, he raced as Mike Hunt. Mm -hmm. Oh, love that. 
Yeah. <laughs> classic. <laughs> classic. Classic, classic. Um, last one we got, just a cute little thing. Yuki was talking about Max, and he was saying that, like, just reiterating the fact that, like, He's not as serious as he cracks up to be. That's, like, what he's like there. But he's, like, so much fun. And he's completely different than the public persona of him. And he was saying that Max introduced him to gin and tonics on his private jet oh. one time, which I felt close to him because my dad's named Tom oh. Collins. And basically sure. a gin and tonic is a Tom Collins. Just add some lime. Sure, sure. Mm. I would love to get on that plane with Max. Oh, yeah. If we recall, the tail number used to be DTF-33. Yeah. Yeah, when his number was 33. Do you know that, Jethro? Yeah, I remember you saying that before. Down to fuck 33. Mm -hmm. This is what happens when you give a 22-year-old a jet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wish it said um, JTL. Do you guys remember that? Jim Tan Laundry? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was, uh, what was GTL. that? Jersey Shore, right? <laughs> yeah, Jersey yeah. Shore. Which is also where I learned the DTL. And I think they're back on air now. They are? Yeah, they're all, the whole group's back together. Oh, that's so exciting. I yeah. loved that show. Really? It feels exciting. a little sad. Okay. Well, well, we'll tune in and we'll find out just how sad <laughs> yeah. it is. In Austin, we find out what the Alphatari is going to be yeah. next year. They're going to oh, announce it. Oh, they announce it. Yeah. They announce it. So it's. I think it's just Boss and Adidas now. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense because everyone's like, like Danny is just the only thing anyone cares about in Austin. So it makes sense. Yeah. All eyes. Are I can't on wait that till team. he accidentally wears a pair of Adidas shoes oh, or something to get everyone going. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and he's got his own clothing line, so there could be a oh, really the new beautiful talk about really someone. Really nice too. Yeah. Yeah. I was wearing the um, shorts and sweatshirt yesterday while I cooked Smash Burgers. Wow. There we go. Guys, this has been a blast. What a fucking weekend we have ahead of us. P10. P10. P10, P10, P10. P10, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. Okay. P10. Uh, Jethro, start us off. <laughs> okay. Well, I've been um, disappointed by Alonso performing way better than I expected him to. Um, so I'm going back to a classic, and I'm going to go Ocon. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Textbook. 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 Okay. Uh, Charlie? Oh, man, I... Man. Yeah. <laughs> Danny. Uh, yeah, I was going to yeah, leave that for Dax. Yeah. That's a good yeah, one, Yeah, a good friend would have. Good friend would have. Yeah. I'm desperate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm desperate. <laughs> I, I This is a hard one for me because, to me, it's Magnuson or Botas. They both have big upgrades coming. I'm going to go Botas, though. Okay. I'm going to go Gasly. I just figure if you pick the 10th place in the points driver, at some point he's going to get in 10th. He has to. He has but those to. Haas upgrades, they're the whole new car this weekend. It's hard for me not to okay. do it. They're having an entirely new car, and this really? is what they've been waiting for is this weekend. Yeah, they always say stuff like that, Matt. I'm so nervous I'm not picking them. Well, look, we can laugh all we want, but Matt is like he's picking rookies that land right there. Now he's he's all Veteran. in a pause, pot committed. You but, know, no, but I'm true. Yeah. I feel guilty picking Danny because that means he's probably going to be pretty low. No, it could mean he's going to come in six. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. In he's going to do I way better. appreciate okay. that you picked him. Because I think they have some new upgrades this weekend, too. Okay. Oh, they do? Alpha does. I think they're getting upgrades all the way to Abu Dhabi. I think they're just continuously putting new Red Bull parts on the car. <laughs> Slowly legally transitioning yeah. it into the RV19, as yeah. they should. Maybe why, that's why Danny's been in that Red Bull, because it's just going to get a new paint job for this weekend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The same yeah. <laughs> you can sit in there as they put the yeah. new vinyl over it. Yeah. Uh, well, such a fun weekend ahead for us. Uh, we're, we're in the Stars and Stripes. Uh, I hope we make the world proud. Until then, we encourage everybody to push, 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 push.